Hello, and welcome to The Future Report, a podcast hosted by social research company McCrindle for anyone curious about the future. My name is Ashley Fell, and each week I'll be sitting down with a guest to discuss a topic or trend that you need to know about. Have you ever heard of the term sea change or tree change? If not, well, it refers to people moving out of the big cities and into coastal or rural areas. Now, while we were seeing this as a trend prior to the pandemic, COVID-19 has really accelerated this in the last two years as people increasingly work from home and reprioritize what is important to them in their life. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about what is driving the rise of the region's trend, where people are moving, what this means for our cities and whether it is here to stay. And joining me today to discuss this very interesting topic is my brilliant colleague and friend, Jeff Braley. Jeff is a social researcher, he's a sought-after keynote speaker, and he's also the Director of Solutions at McCrindle. So chances are, if you've ever engaged with us, you may have very well spoken to Jeff. So Jeff, I'm delighted to welcome you today to the Future Report podcast. Thanks, Ash. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I know that you are a uh, avid podcast listener, so I've been very excited to have you as a guest. And I know that uh, you love this topic. All of our team know that you love this topic of demographics and cities and regions. And, you know, it's it's a bit nerdy, but I think we're all nerdy here and we just embrace that. Um, why do you love talking about cranes and demographics and population so much, Jeff? Yeah, it's a great question. The the people is the real reason why. And as a social researcher, I love understanding where people want to live, how they want to live, where do they want to shop, where do they want to work, learn, earn. And so it's a real privilege to actually get to study those trends from demographic research through to the surveys we deploy and the results we get to analyze. And it's fun telling those stories because it's certainly what we talk about uh, at barbecues or at family gatherings is who's moving where and why are they moving and what was the push or what was the pull factor. And so looking forward to covering that with you today. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, when I'm at a barbecue, and we've talked about this before as a team, we're like, you've almost got to hold back how many random stats you know about random topics and things. <laughs> That's right. You've, you've got a back pocket full of stats all the time, and you just need to wait for the right moment to uh, drop them in. <laughs> absolutely. And Jeff, I always like to sort of ask a question that lets us know the guests a little bit more that sort of pertains to the topic we're talking about. So I thought I could ask you if you could choose a regional area. I mean, you live in metropolitan Sydney currently. If you could choose a regional area to move to, where would you go? Oh, it's a good one. I'm looking off to the right, dreaming of the, the mid-north coast of New South Wales. It's a beautiful spot. And as a surfer, I love the uh, coastal area. So a tree change would be great for trail running, but I love uh, getting into the water, swimming, surfing, and I've got three little kids, so I would love to raise them by the beach. That would be, that would be magical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can see the appeal for that too. I think for me um, and a lot of people who know me, including you, Jeff, you know that I, I have a weird obsession with like the Southern Highlands, that kind of country. But the coastal is just the lure of the water is also something many Australians, I think, feel with deep within our soul. <laughs> absolutely. Amazing. So as I alluded to in the introduction, we're talking about the rise of the regions. And I, I tried to give a little bit of an introduction as to what that is in that introduction, if people hadn't heard of it before. But Jeff, if you had to explain to someone what the rise of the regions is, what would you tell them? Yeah, this is a, an area that's been a trend rising since pre-COVID. We actually were watching this before 
COVID hit and people started amplifying this trend and the rise of the regions is really people seeking a lifestyle area to live outside of a metropolitan area. So we've become very familiar with the different LGAs and greater capital city areas through the uh, lockdowns and restrictions. And all this means that what we were living in over the last hundred years was more and more people living in our capital cities, in our major areas. It's the trend of urbanization. And here's the counter trend. It's the the move back to the regions of people looking for the coastal lifestyle, people moving for the green tree change, looking to get back into a more peaceful, serene location. And certainly there's small towns, but there's some big towns that were growing fast. Places like Geelong was one of the fastest growing places in Australia before COVID hit, and that's a sister city to Melbourne in Victoria. So you've got places that have great jobs, great economy. Uh, they've got great sort of natural landscape and uh, lifestyle and amenity, and they were places that were growing faster than our capital city. So the rise of the regions really was a trend that existed before COVID, but now the accelerator's been pushed and it's been amplified. People are trying to get out of our cap cities and not everyone's leaving. I'll just be clear up front and we'll discuss the future of cities, uh, um, I hope, later in this podcast because cities aren't dead. They just need a reinvention, almost a resurrection, uh, if you can. And and I guess the future of regional areas, they're experiencing unexpected growth that's putting pressure on them. And so I look forward to discussing more of that because the tree change, the the sea change locations, in one way, they're loving it. They're getting greater growth and economic benefits, but they're also probably experiencing some community churn as people struggle to find a place to rent in their areas. It's, it's a lot of demand. Mm, absolutely. And Australia for a long time has although that we were seeing this trend, has been a capital city-centric nation, as I guess many other global cities around the world have been. Um, And then we've seen a rise of that prior to the pandemic. Now it's been accelerated. Why are people moving out of the cities and into the regions? And I guess particularly what what factors are sort of playing into that as a result of the pandemic, in your opinion? Yeah, I think there's a range of push and pull factors. So there's push factors causing people to leave our capital cities. And we've done a lot of studies for different companies and organisations that are trying to understand why do people move uh, into or out of cities? And we get the uh, results from the Australian Bureau of Statistics that we get to analyse on the numbers. And the states that are struggling at the moment are Victoria and New South Wales that have had the biggest lockdowns, some of the world's longest lockdowns, keeping people safe. But people have been looking to move out of those capital cities. And that's an ongoing trend that was happening beforehand, but it's accelerated. And so our capital cities are leaking in Sydney and Melbourne. Now, the numbers aren't massive compared to the 5 million people that both Sydney and Melbourne have. But I think what we're seeing is that with this trend of a work from home environment where people are able to now do their city job in a regional area, they're actually loving that they can take that city job to the coast or to that uh, southern highlands or they're looking for those places sort of within half a day's drive where they can live. Now, cities are great because you get all the benefits. You can have all the services, the economic, the cultural events. But one of the big challenges, particularly in Australian cities, is the affordability challenge of the cost of housing, the cost of living, just the commute. Having, if a family has two cars, the the average cost of nine to $15,000 per car per household, it adds up quickly. And so people are looking for that simpler, more affordable. And I think even one of the big reflections, a lot of people, not just Australians have had, but because of COVID, we've actually evaluated our life. We've had the time to explore what are the things that we want more of in our life and what do we want less of. And so because of that, we're actually reprioritizing where we live, how we spend our time. We've 
probably had a really positive experience, hopefully for many, being locked down with family or loved ones or flatmates. And so people are looking to spend more time with those that mean the most to them. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I remember last year when we were conducting a whole bunch of different research pieces about the pandemic. And I think for me, one of the stats that I was most surprised by was when we asked Australians if they were looking to if they were going to look to move their, from their current place of residence in the next year or two based on changes, you know, to their lifestyle. And our research found that 50% of those we surveyed, which was a nationally representative survey, so we can say half of Australians planned on looking for a new home to rent or buy that incorporates more of what they value in the next year or two. And with this work from home era where we have decoupled work from the workplace, I think many people that we spoke to in our research prior to the pandemic were like, I'd love to make that lifestyle change to the regions or to a coastal area or to Port Macquarie or Barrel, whatever it might have been. But it was kind of that employment barrier where that kind of stopped them from doing that. Now we've got this work from home era where so many of us have work from home and so many larger organizations are saying this is going to become part of our normal in the future. So people are moving. We're also seeing, I guess, what we look for in a home change. It's kind of that idea that we don't want maybe the, the open plan home anymore. We need the closed spaces because more of us are working from home. We want the backyard. Uh, so all of this, I think, is changing. And then that was some studies that we conducted last year. Then this year, most recently we ran another study and really interestingly we found 60% of Australians who don't currently live in a regional area have considered moving to one. That's phenomenal like population mobility and like you mentioned it's certainly happening in some of our big capitals and really really changing what we look for and value um, in our life. Yeah, that's right. And and people are looking for employability. And that's been the new, I guess, gateway that's opening up access to the regions. The regions have been more affordable uh, in comparison to our capital cities. If you think of places like uh, Sydney, one of the world's, uh, it's 11th on the world's most livable city list. So just got bumped outside the top <laughs> 10. But Australia's got five out of the top 11 cities that are the world's most livable cities. But they're not affordable because they're global destination locations. We've got Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane, Melbourne. These are world-class cities. Think of Brisbane that's got the Olympics in 2032, going to be getting a lot of publicity. It's currently the fastest growing uh, area in Australia because people are, are moving to the great location, the great uh, weather. It's got the mix of cities. You've got the Sunshine Coast to the north. You've got Brisbane, the centre, Gold Coast to the south, a range of different kind of cultural and just the souls of each city are different. This is what I love about cities is that it's the communities that are embodied and reflected in the infrastructure, in the architecture in the ways the events are run and the, the spaces are activated. It's certainly fascinating to study these. Now, they've been more expensive, these capital cities, whereas regional areas have been more affordable. So people could move to the regions and kind of cash out of a big city and take the benefit, but they couldn't get work in the past. And so it might have been more affordable, might have had the lifestyle, but now it's become an employable area, particularly for those in those sort of um, digital era, professional services, knowledge economy jobs. They can now take their creative agency and move to a, a beautiful area, have their boutique agency and, and run from there. Or a professional services worker can do that accounting job offsite, online, on the cloud, getting the job done, but still connecting with people when they need to. Because if you're within half a day's commute, you can do that hybrid work model where you come into the office one or two days a week or do the uh, couple of nights over um, 
I guess, commute into and, and really spend the time with the team to make sure that productivity and collaboration remains high. So regional areas have certainly been activated in a way we probably didn't foresee because of the impact of COVID. Yeah, it's really been a catalyst for societal change. And this is really one area that we're that we're really seeing. And I loved what you said there around those three elements of affordability, livability and employability. And I think maybe prior to the pandemic, the regions had the affordability and the livability, and now they tick that third box for uh, employability. And again, a study that we conducted this year, we asked, what are the what do Australians think are the key benefits of living in a regional area? And the results were the peace and quiet, a simpler lifestyle, affordability, as you mentioned, less traffic and commute time, beautiful landscapes close to nature, and the ability to live in a house rather than an apartment or townhouse. And so many of those things tick that reprioritization now that we've all experienced where our lives have been just thrown into sort of great time of change. Kids have been at home more. And so now it's like, what do we value going forward? What do we want to keep from the pandemic as, as to how our life changed moving forward as we sort of move into the endemic and back to normal. So it's it's fascinating stuff to, to kind of where human and, and societal events meet uh, demographics and population, which as I'm sure many listeners can tell, both of us love to talk about. Yeah. And, and we certainly are in that period of change and that the home of the future will be different because Yep, mm-hmm. the pandemic will come to an end, the endemic, and the opportunity for people to reevaluate their life. Yep, we're doing that right now. But as in Australia, kids are going back to school, it's certainly in the, the capital cities happening and stages of that. What I think will be different, though, is that the future will explore hybrid uh, work and hybrid learning, whether that's during those primary years, secondary even into tertiary years where people need more space that's a little bit more private than the open plan kind of home with that study bench somewhere that people could hear because if you're doing the Zoom meetings or doing your online learning, you need that privacy. And so the future of the home, we've seen that one in two homes by 2025 will be a smart home, but that's going to have a greater emphasis on the not just the, the Zoom room at home, the physical space, but it's going to make sure that we've got multiple spaces where people can do their online digital experiences, whether that's the shopping or uh, in an augmented reality with this new meta world that we're going to be living in. uh, (laughs) It's going to be interesting to see what the future of homes look like as we do this hybrid living. Absolutely. It really is. And, you know, we've at McCrindle, we talk a lot about Australian research, but this is a global trend. Um, the, ho- the whole world has been impacted by the pandemic and the changes at a societal level are certainly happening elsewhere, including obviously the work from home and the, the transformation to how we work, meaning that people, I think, in other places as well are going to see that. But in Australia, you sort of alluded to it earlier, Jeff, around our most popular sort of global cities where we are seeing a bit of an exodus of people leaving Sydney and Melbourne. Um, what else is happening, I guess, in that in that space? Uh, we talk a lot about, yeah, like you said, sort of net internal migration where people are moving maybe out of the main city of, say, New South Wales. So they're moving from Sydney to a regional area. There's also net interstate migration, so people moving interstate. Um, how would you sort of summarise to someone at a barbecue lunch or something wh- where people are moving within Australia and what's going on? Yeah, the, the Australian composition is changing and we've got a, a variety of impacts and certainly the lockdowns are probably one of the major impacts currently. But our capital cities had a problem even before kind of COVID and the lockdowns. We had people moving out of Sydney, moving out of Melbourne and largely moving to uh, Queensland. Queensland's been the benefactor of net internal migration. And one of the trends behind that is that when people arrive in Australia, and we are a, a migrant country, we've got three in 10 people who were born overseas and 
we're a country where people land in our largest capital cities for work. Often the three main visas are humanitarian visas, very small proportion. We've got our skilled visas, and then we've also got those family uh visas for family of skilled workers. And so when people are arriving in Australia, they're living in our capital cities for that new job that they've secured. And yet they're holidaying up and down the coast, exploring the the beautiful, wonderful landscapes and communities and getting a taste of these different locations and thinking, we could move there. Let's do that. So they're securing their own patch of paradise outside of some of these uh, capital cities. Now, I said earlier that our capital cities are leaking. It's only a very small leak. We've got uh, less than 5,000 people moving out of Sydney and Melbourne in a quarter. Out of 5 million people, our cities are certainly doing something right. There's a good uh, livability. It's a global destination. Our largest capital cities have got a lot right. And while they're not necessarily a central business district per se, it's what they've been historically, the office vacancy rates are still recovering, particularly in Melbourne. Sydney's uh, slowly rebounding, but we don't have uh, public sector back into the office yet uh, here. And even globally, I think we're going to see this trend where CBDs will need to reinvent. I used the word resurrect before because they've been a bit dead. And certainly the cafes are feeling that challenge when you don't have any foot traffic because the office staff aren't coming in every day. Where do do you secure your market if you're that cafe owner at the bottom of the building? And this is where I think our office spaces will need to kind of be reinvented. Some might be used for for housing. Certainly offices will still have a place in the future. We'll need places for collaboration. So our houses will change. We've mentioned that earlier, but our offices will change as well. And our cities at large will, I guess, we, we did a study looking at what do people think our cities will be used for in the future. And it's about cultural events, uh, the arts. It's about main events. It's the sporting big music events now, music festivals, they happen right across uh, Australia, across different countries, different locations. You don't need to be in a capital city, but to have a, a 50,000 or 100,000 person event, if you think of uh, one of the iconic Sydney events that I've certainly missed is Vivid, it, it attracts hundreds of thousands of people night after night. And so those types of major experiences, they can only happen at a at a large capital city. And so There'll be retail, there'll be access to services, but I actually think it's the culture, it's the arts that's going to be one of the key places. Now, it's interesting, a lot of artists probably thinking, I'd rather live outside of a cap city, but that's where the mega population is. When you think of the uh, global population, we're approaching uh, 8 billion people globally, and yet uh, we're over 50% that live in urban areas at the moment. By the middle of the century, that's going to be up to nearly 75% of people live in urban areas. So that's where the market is. And that's where I think artists and entrepreneurs will be looking. That's the uh, opportunity for us. Absolutely. And yeah, to your point earlier about sort of everyone moving to Queensland, I wonder if that's, you know, both of us being Sydney based. I mean, it's not as cold here as Melbourne, but up north is beautiful, warmer weather. And I think even with um, Queensland, it's really interesting because their cities are a little bit more decentralised than just sort of concentrated. They've got sort of that southeast Queensland area of the Sunshine Coast, the Gold Coast and Brisbane versus sort of some of our um, other global cities like Melbourne and Sydney, that there is a lot of people forced into sort of a small amount of space. And that does have impacts on our lifestyle, like you mentioned, around waiting times and infrastructure and, of course, affordability and, and housing, which, you know, both of us are millennials. And so we know the the tension there of wanting to get our foot in the property ladder and, and whether you can do that or not in, in a place like Sydney, one of the most expensive places on earth, it seems, can certainly be a challenge. And yeah, you had some great insights there as well, Jeff, about what the impact of this trend is on our cities. And 
yeah, you mentioned some of the research there around how people think cities will change. And like you said, you know, if if we're not all working from the CBD anymore, maybe it's, and I know that you love to talk about this, a move away from the CBD, the Sydney Business District, to the the CLD, the Central Lifestyle District, and just what we view and what we need from our cities might shift in the future. Yeah, that's right. The lifestyle emphasis is what people are looking for, and that's going to be for cities and for regional areas. So lifestyle is key, and it's an era of lifestyle design where people are a little bit more philosophical, as I mentioned, after COVID, this global pandemic threatening life and forcing us to live slow for a bit. Before we speed back up, we're actually planning what does the future look like and so it is about lifestyle and things like the commute to work people have really questioned that and seen that if i can work from home even if it's a couple of days from a week and i'm a dad with three kids and to get that extra time we can feel those benefits of having a slower start being able to help with drop-offs pickups or do the health activities and while commutes are a part of life, I think they won't disappear completely. Australians particularly were spending more time in their daily commute than they would on their annual holidays. So you could picture that, that imbalance. It's that, is, that is a devastating statistic, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it? It makes you want to cry. It's sort of one of those things. It's like life's not quite working right. And that's where the, the model of development of our cities, I think, really needs to change. And the type of housing stock we're building and the city planning needs to be evaluated and explored and even potentially city building needs to be enacted because we're a population in Australia, over 25 million people, heading towards 39 million people by 2040. It's not that far away. And yet we're going to add nearly 15 million people to our population. We've got cities that use that sprawl and crawl model of development where people are sitting in their cars. They're not getting their steps. They're not with their loved ones. They might be listening to our podcast and thanks for listening, but you're not getting <laughs> the healthy benefits of community and active lifestyle. And, and I guess I'd rather people be listening to us while they're out doing a morning jog on the podcast than sitting in their car. And that's, I guess, the healthy benefits because in Australia, one in two people don't get the recommended daily exercise. We've got a problem here in Australia where we live in affordable cities. We don't get time to uh, do the activities that we might need to live longer. And yet we are living longer, but the quality of life has diminished because we're under greater stress. Maybe it's affordability pressures. Maybe it's cost of living, health pressures. There's certainly some challenges to the way we live. And I think our, our cities and the not just the design of architecture, it's the design of lives and lifestyle that really needs to be explored here as we plan for the future of Australia. And this is not just Australia that needs to consider this. This is a global issue. We need to ensure we're building places where people can live longer, be happier, be with their loved ones and make positive economic contributions to our society. So that's what I'd love to see. Absolutely. And I guess anyone hopefully can hear when you talk why you are passionate about these topics of population and demographics and, and cranes and because they paint a picture and they tell the story um, about yeah how we how we live. Um, and yeah, it's so important, I think, those things that you mentioned to our well-being and connected to family and just it is scary when you think about how much time we spend if you do live um, in one of the most populated cities in Australia, for example, when you are commuting. And that's what I think many of us were able to see during the pandemic when we didn't have the commute, which was the number one benefit that Australians told us in our research of working from home was the more time, the time savings, because you didn't have to commute. And as those of us return back to the office after lockdown, we've got to evaluate what our priorities are and, and that is changing. So it's really, again, really interesting, just the impacts of the society impacts of a health pandemic um, in the world is, is really fascinating. Um, we've already touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to ask you about 
you know, the, the pandemic and the rise of the working from home era has shifted uh, people's perspectives on living in the regions. Has it also shifted what people are looking for, do you think, in, in a home? We've touched on some of those elements, but anything else to add there? Yeah, it's... Yeah, absolutely. Because I think the home, when we say the word home, we think of the place we all go to relax, get on the couch and watch, watch some Netflix or have a family <laughs> over. Yep. Now, we've talked generations on earlier episodes and it's been great hearing from you and Mark on these episodes. And in Australia, across the globe, we've got six generations. I've got a couple of Gen Alphas. And so my daughter doesn't play doll houses. She plays apartments. With every Amazon box we've been getting delivered, we've been building with those boxes <laughs> apartments during lockdown. And so we've got this vertical village in our home where they're playing homes. Now, for a younger generation that are living and seeing capital cities rising vertically, we've got cranes across Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. They're the top three locations of cranes in Australia, although Brisbane's got the most new cranes at the moment. So congrats, Brisbane. You've uh, won the award there. <laughs> But Sydney's got nearly 300 cranes building vertical, not just apartments, but commercial spaces, building infrastructure for education, for retail, for health. But the largest of them is for residential. And so we've got a population, uh, sorry, a dwelling stock, I guess, challenge in Sydney where we've actually got the most advanced vertical communities across Australia, whereas other cities have got a, a, a dismal <laughs> range of stock on offer. And what I mean by that is, I'm not just talking about one-bedroom apartments. I'm talking about the family-friendly apartments Apartments, because certainly a Gen Z might be happy to start life in a small two-bedroom apartment with four friends and it's affordable and you make it fun. It's the, the, the first home, a dream start. But when you're moving through the life stages of the generations, it's almost like olives on a pizza. I remember being a kid thinking olives were the worst thing ever. <laughs> you didn't want to put olives on your pizza, but now, as a as a dad, I've got three kids. I certainly want the backyard. I want to have the space to play and put a trampoline up. Mm. It's fun building it, but that's a different topic. But what we look for in the different life stages is very different. And we need to have the stock available, not just in our capital cities. This is the challenge, I think, now across not just Australia, but this is a global challenge of making sure we've got the housing stock to suit generational needs without the, the barriers of tax that will impact people moving more frequently because we've made it such a barrier to moving quickly that people kind of get locked into their place and that can be a good thing in one way because it reduces community churn. However, it means we're maybe making some impacts on the access to quality property. So I think Australia's got a few challenges there to, to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And it's I think for a long time, Australia was known as this detached home nation. And, uh, you know, compared to other global, I think particularly for me, I think European uh, global cities where they went really vertical and then we, we moved to the vertical. But now, like you said, there's more value in, in the backyard now. Um, and we, we need our homes to facilitate different needs uh, because we're at home more, we've got more people at home more, sometimes multiple generations at home, kids. And so, yeah, it's really interesting. And, and your comment about, um, yeah, your, your Gen Alpha daughter building vertical communities, I think is also just a fascinating look at, at their future and, and what we can do now to facilitate and build cities and regional areas that, yeah, facilitate the needs of future generations. And I think it's interesting, you kind of alluded to it there, Jeff, but I wanted to ask, what do you think is going to this is going to mean for the regions. I mean, we've talked about what it means for the cities. Um, the regions are now experiencing people coming in. I guess maybe some people think that's great. There's there's buzz, there's life, there's population growth. But po population growth isn't always a positive thing for people. Everyone's maybe got their own views on that. What does this rise of the regions mean for the regions themselves? 
Yeah, it's, it's certainly putting pressure on the infrastructure and that's housing infrastructure, health infrastructure, particularly through this pandemic. If you've got a, a swelling and a rising tide of, of population, the existing infrastructure needs to be supported and uh, ensure that it's going to remain viable and, and support the community development. So things like housing infrastructure, transport infrastructure, uh, some of the key challenges and issues, I guess, are revealed in data like vacancy rates. Uh, it's certainly across Australia really tight at the moment in our property market. And we might have had a few um, halts to construction during the pandemic. But what we need to see is that the stock come online. That's not just building in that sprawl and crawl model of development. It needs to be resourced with the transport and active pathways and access to schools and and uh, not just a shopping centre, but a, a mixed-use commercial space where people can have the job, have the apartments if they want to live in apartments, have the access to res, uh, retail and cafes, restaurants. We need to make sure that uh, our cities and our regions become those lifestyle areas that offer world-class living. And I think that's what the Australian vision is. We li love living for the land of the long weekend. We love working hard, but we love playing and socialising. We love catching up the uh, avocado on toast uh, on the weekends, <laughs> the coffees, having a wine, having a having a gin uh, with friends. This is what we love here in Australia. And we love the community life. We love having the park runs and the, the weekends, gatherings, picnics at the beach. And this is what Australians are globally known for. We've got a great reputation and there's a real, I guess, challenge to making sure that what is just a reputation, we might not just live it one day, a long weekend, a, a year. We want to have quality life year round. Absolutely. And those elements are so key to thriving communities. And we do need to keep, I think, that in mind. And those um, in political office and infrastructure sort of positions need to keep that in mind for these regions who are experiencing population growth as a result of the pandemic. And yeah, another thing I was thinking about when you were giving that answer was some of the research we conducted again this year about people's focus on the local community. And when we haven't been able to, in certain parts of Australia or the world where we've been confined to our five kilometre radius or your local government area, uh, we've had a real return to a focus on our local community and the top things that Australians have told us um, that they love about, that they value more now than they did three years ago is shopping locally, the walkable community and the strong local community. So yeah, places that can that can invest into that, especially for regional areas, I think that, that are experiencing that influx of people is certainly going to be important for people to be able to thrive in these communities. Um, I've loved this chat, Jeff. I, I know that you love this topic and it's it's just so interesting and, and anyone who's at a barbecue with you is is lucky to be able to get your insights on all of this. I've got a final question for you. Um, as a social researcher, someone who's constantly got your finger on the pulse and looking at the Australian Bureau of Statistics and keeping up to date on what's going on with our cities and our population growth, what is one trend that you've got your eye on at the moment that you think people and our listeners will find really interesting? Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to the cranes. It's it's not a new one for this topic, but I think for today, uh, uh, the reason I love talking about cranes is they're actually an indicator of of the future. They're almost a little glimpse into a time travel. It's the crystal ball almost that as futurists we wish we had. And what cranes reveal is that these are the areas of development. And so to see that places like Sydney still have major investment and infrastructure coming with over 295 cranes in Sydney. I think there's up to 83 in Brisbane, which uh, added the most. I think they added 13 in the last quarter. And so seeing where investment is going, following the money, following the vertical uh, building is fascinating. And I think that's where we can see that Brisbane and 
the southeast Queensland area particularly is doing something right. There's a whole lot that's working. It's not just the weather's nice. There's affordability. There's great lifestyle, great jobs, great economy, great culture, great sports, uh, sporting nation here in Australia. And you've got some great... Uh, teams there across the different codes and we're going to see the global sporting iconic event landing there in just over a decade the olympics 2032 what a moment for brisbane and that southeast queensland area to champion sport and this great culture and country we live in and the cranes i'm sure will keep rising over the coming years in that area as the infrastructure uh, is a lot of already existing infrastructure but there'll be some new interesting developments uh whether that's the rise of things like the electronic vehicles across uh, areas like southeast Queensland as we move towards these uh, global games, what will be uh, one of the most sustainable games ever, I'm sure. There'll be a lot of investment uh, with talk of climate change. This is going to be a fascinating area to watch. So love talking about cranes and the uh, the data of that. That's probably my key trend to encourage people to check out. And I only discovered it because I've got a kid who was riding the trains with me and we were teaching him to count by actually counting the cranes across uh, Western Sydney, Northwest Sydney, while we were riding the new Metro. And so I actually thought, I wonder if someone counts these cranes professionally and found a report and comes out every six months. So it's worth checking out the RBL report there. So it's a good fun one. Absolutely. I was going to say that. I was going to say, you know, cranes paint a lot and tell the story um, in your local community or your area about the infrastructure and the development and what's going on. So yeah, it's not just of interest to the little gen alphas uh, who love planes and trains and cranes and and that sort of thing but it's also interest should be of interest to us adults as well and and can paint that story and i love that as well around brisbane and yeah it's going to be fascinating um, over the next decade as the infrastructure and the planning get goes into place for the olympics and puts that city on more of a global map than it already is so fascinating stuff jeff thank you so much for joining us today in the podcast it's been excellent to have you thanks ash and looking ahead, as always, I can't wait to dive into our other interesting and engaging topics all about the future. Um, and we've got some really great stuff coming up for you. And as always, if you want to delve in further into some of these insights about the future, you can subscribe to our podcast. You can like and follow us on Spotify or Apple so that you get updates of when we release a new episode, which comes out on a weekly basis on a Wednesday. You can also watch the video recording on YouTube and you can always visit mccrindle.com or follow us on socials to see more about our latest research. So thanks again for listening and bye for now.